Titus chapter 2, verse 11 this morning. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. One of my favorite subjects is the return of Christ. And you know, last week uh, we talked about going on to the next class, talking about moving on. You know, we have been saved. We ought to have faith now. We ought to have faith. We ought to trust God. We ought to believe what He said He would do. He's going to do it. We ought to know that. We ought to be. Uh, we ought to be to that point now where it's a regular thing, where we just expect God to keep His promises, where we're not even surprised when God comes through, when God does a miracle. And so when we talk about moving on, you know, where is it that we're supposed to get to next? Okay? And, and over the next weeks, uh, I, I wanted to spend some time talking about, you know, what it means to actually be like Christ and start seeing how we can implement those things in our life. But right now, I want us to talk about really that next point. Okay? Where, what we have to look forward to, what we're going to see next, and go to Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. And it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. I want us to focus on that part that says, looking for that blessed hope. You'll notice on our flag there, it says, the book, the blood, and the blessed hope. Thank God that we have the book, we have the Bible that tells us the things that we need to know about salvation. That tells us the things about Jesus Christ. That tells us how to be saved. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that we read about in that book because that blood of Christ is the only reason any of us can get into heaven. It was only because of His work that He did on the cross that we can go to heaven. But also thank God for the blessed hope. And I want to talk about that blessed hope this morning. What is the blessed hope, because sadly for many people, you know they they look at the blessed hope. They look at which I believe is the rapture. We're going to see that here in a little bit when Jesus Christ comes and we see Him and He calls us up into the air to be with Him. That is the rapture. But the blessed hope. Why does it call it the blessed hope at that point? Because for many people, they look at the blessed hope as well. I hope I can get out of this world pretty soon. I hate my life. I hate. People, I hate you know. I hate everything. I don't want to have to worry about paying my bills. I just want to get out of here. And let me tell you something. I can I can relate to that sometimes. There's times I'm just having a bad day, and it's like you know what? It'd be nice if the trumpet just sounded right now and got me out of this mess. But do you know the blessed hope? The reason it calls it that, it's not. It doesn't call it the blessed hope because that is our opportunity to get out of this mess that we're in. There's something very specific that we are hoping for. Something very specific that we're looking for, and it says in here, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing. Alright, the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. We just sang about that glorious appearing in the special. We sang about it in our hymns. And the the smart people, okay, the you know, the uh the theologians, they have mistakenly separated the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. They'll tell you that the glorious appearing 
is Armageddon when Jesus Christ returns in the white horse to defeat the armies of the world. And no, the glorious appearing, I'm going to show you in the Bible, the glorious appearing is in fact the rapture. It is these that the blessed hope and glorious appearing, they are not separated by seven years according to all the textbooks that you read. And I don't know if we have any of the real smart people here that you know you you know so much you know more Bible than God does. I mean, you know the Bible so well, uh you've figured out how to make the Bible say things that it doesn't even say. Uh, I'm reading a book right now I had recommended to me that's supposed to straighten me out on my theology, and basically I've learned this theology, this there's a system out there. That basically, there's systems that man has come up with. That way, when the Bible does not line up with their theology, there's some systems you can use. There's some ways that you can twist things. So when the Bible, you know, the Bible doesn't say what you want it to say, you can make the Bible mean what you want it to mean. And you know, we're not going to do that. Okay? We're going to look at the Bible. I believe in letting the Bible define the Bible. When I look at a verse in the Bible. And it doesn't necessarily say what I want it to say, or it doesn't look like it's how I think it should look. I don't believe that commentaries are the things that you go to to straighten the Bible out. I think we go to the Bible and hey, am I defining things right? And I'm going to show you from the Bible that the glorious appearing and the blessed hope they are in fact the rapture that they happen at the same time. And it's important that we understand that too because this blessed hope that we have, okay, it's important that we understand what the blessed hope is. It is not the fire escape, even though it is, it is an escape from this world. But there's a reason he calls it the blessed hope. Notice in this passage, at the beginning of verse 11, he says, "...the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men." Many people are falsely teaching today that grace, it's like this excuse to sin. To thank God for grace, you know, and you know we don't need to worry about preaching against sin and trying to get people to follow these commands in the Bible because you know what God gives us grace. We're in the age of grace, but the Bible says that grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. The grace of God, it's what helps us to not sin and to not disobey and break the commandments of God. And it's talking about that here, how we're supposed to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Now let me ask you, you don't have to raise your hand, but just be honest with yourself. How many of you in here that are saved today still struggle with sin sometimes? And sometimes you just still want to sin. How many of you sometimes, when you're reading your Bible and it's talking about things that you shouldn't do that you want to do, you try to do like I was talking about. Well, let's see how we can make... <laughs> if there's a system we can come up with, they can make the Bible not mean what it says right here either. And people do that all the time. This is trying to... It's trying to you know, it is, it's a struggle to do the right thing. And so he says in here, you know, we're looking for that blessed hope. We're looking for the glorious appearing. We're watching for it. We're waiting for it. Because God is... The purpose of salvation, He was trying to redeem Himself to Himself a peculiar people. He wants to purify us. He wants to make us like Him. And understand that process of becoming like Christ is something we're supposed to be working on right now, but it will not be complete until the glorious appearing. But one of these days, you and I are going to be like Christ. Now, that might seem, that might be, seem hard to believe, but it is a fact. I'm going to show you in the Bible. I, 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 just look at Brother Lonnie right now. I like picking on Brother Lonnie. Look at Brother Lonnie. One of these days, he is going to be just like Christ. 
Now, don't walk out. It's it's really going to happen. It's in the Bible, okay? I mean, you believe God raised people from the dead. He can make Brother Lonnie just like himself. And you know what? He's going to do that with all of us. And it's going to be just as big of a miracle when he does it to us as he does with Brother Lonnie, all right? He's just fun to pick on for some reason. (laughs) You've got to have somebody to pick on. But look, let's look at Romans chapter 8. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. I want to show you a passage here. And we're going to look at several references to the appearing of Christ. And it doesn't always say glorious appearing, but you're going to see that the, the glorious appearing is in fact the rapture. It is when Jesus Christ shows up in the clouds. And it's not, you know, we've let move, Christian movies, you know, create how we envision the rapture. And how often do movies get things right? If you've watched some of the latest Hollywood movies, on biblical things, I mean, if you know the Bible at all, they will make you furious. And they butchered the rapture just as bad in the movies they made. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, look what it says. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. We are the, we're waiting to see something. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected, who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. I don't know if you all been watching the news and paying attention to what's going on in this world, but this creation, it is groaning. It's in pain. How many saw the video of that little five-year-old Syrian boy that was just all they pulled from the rubble that was all dirty and bloody? I, I saw that video and man, it just messed me up. It, it bothered me so much when I saw the video of that boy. I mean, you could just see the shock on his face. And I mean, you didn't know what was going on. And I watched it and I thought, Lord, you need to get back. Lord, we need we need you to return. They were they showed another picture. It was it, remember it came out a while back of another little Syrian boy, maybe two years old, maybe Lana's age, that had floated up on shore, he's face down on the beach, dead. Little two year old boy, just you know, these people they're just trying to survive. And it, we are so spoiled rotten in America. It is horrible what is going on all over this world. This creation, this world, it is in pain right now. And I'm telling you, we need the Lord to come back. And I'm, I'm watching this video and I'm just like, Lord, it is time for Your return. We need You to come back. This world is a mess and it's not getting better. And I'm telling you, it ought, it ought to break our hearts. And it is. Even the lady on the news, she started crying as she's reporting on this. And I tell you what, if I hadn't been at work around a lot of other people, I mean, it's tough to see that type of thing. And we're waiting for something. We're waiting for a change to take place in this world. We're ready for the pain to go away. We're ready to see something different. But you know what? While this world is full of sinners, there's going to continue to be pain. There's going to continue to be sorrow. But look what it says in verse 23, "...and not only they, but ourselves also." I mean, the world's suffering right now. Even lost people. It's not just the saved people that are groaning right now looking for something. The world is looking for something. And sadly, we know that a person is going to come along that the Bible calls the Antichrist and they're going to look to him to get the world out of this mess. We know better than that, but the world, they're looking. They're wanting to see something. They're wanting something to change. 
But it says, uh, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Do you all understand that if you, when you called on the Lord for salvation, you got saved, but you only got the first part of that salvation. You got the Holy Spirit. Okay, We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, but right now, we are waiting for the redemption of our body. I hope you're tired of sinning. I hope you're tired of failing. That Holy Spirit, it ought to grieve you. It ought to bother you whenever you do sin and whenever you do mess up. When I saw, when I saw those videos, I got convicted because of the fact that, you know, we live in such a disgusting, sin-filled world, and you know what? I've contributed to it. I sin too. I mean, what, how often do we do things to make the world a better place? Most of the time, we're so self-centered. We're, we're contributing to making everybody else miserable. And you know what? That kind of spreads. And maybe you're not directly responsible for what's going on in Syria, but you know, we could, at least we could make our community a better place. Maybe we'd make the state a better place. Make this country a better place. And then maybe our leaders would have better policies and would be messing things up all over the world. We all contribute to this. And you know what? It made it, when I was watching this, I'm just ashamed of myself. And I'm ready for that redemption of my body. I'm ready for that day when I'm not struggling with sin anymore, when I don't sin anymore. I'm waiting for that day when I am like Christ. And look what it says in verse, we're waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is not, that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. I can't see Jesus Christ. I can't see what my new glorified body is going to be like. I can't see that. But let me tell you, I hope for it. I'm hoping for it. I'm waiting for it. I believe it. I know what's going to happen one of these days. And look what it says in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not how we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We are so sinful, we don't even know what to pray for. We don't even know how to pray in the right way many times because our flesh, it's always getting in the way of things. We think selfishly when we pray sometimes. We can't even pray right. We're so sorry. And thank God the Holy Spirit that's in us, it helps us, it makes intercession for us, and it kind of fixes our prayers, I guess you could say. And it says, And he searcheth the hearts, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Once again, we see this passage that we are going to one day be like Christ. We are going to be conformed to the image of His Son. And what do we call that? It says there, it says we're saved by hope. What's our hope in? Our hope is in becoming like Jesus Christ. That is the blessed hope. The blessed hope is that moment when we are like Him. When we are no longer sinful people. When we no longer have this corruptible body, we one day will be like Christ. That is the blessed hope. That is the blessed hope that 
moment when we become just like Jesus Christ. That day, and it, it's coming, and it comes, we're going to see here in the Bible, it comes at His appearing. You know, we should be tired of all the suffering that's in this world. We should not just our own suffering. We ought to be tired of the suffering that other people are going through. It ought to bother us. It ought to cause us to be ashamed that we have not done enough to get the gospel out into different parts of the world and to make a difference. I mean, it is sad how in all these Muslim countries where all these things are going on, you can't find Christians over there. You can't find, you know, you can't find good Bible preaching churches in those places. We have failed. We have let the world down with how we're getting the gospel out. We're letting our own country down. We're seeing how our country is becoming more and more humanist and secular and just wicked every day. Going downhill. That's our fault, folks. We don't get to blame Washington for those things as much as we'd love to. That is, It's God's people that are supposed to fix these things. They're supposed to make the difference. We should be ashamed of what this world has become. Jesus told His disciples, hey, ye are the light of the world. Ye are the salt of the earth. This is our job. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 24. There's one chapter before. Paul, he's been talking in the whole chapter before, chapter 8, where we just read about that, you know, battle between the spirit and the flesh. Or we see that in chapter 8, too. But in verse 24, Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul was ashamed of himself. Paul was somebody who was the best Christian that we'd ever, we could probably ever think of. The best Christian that we know of, and yet he was disgusted with himself. He was looking for that day. He had that hope that one day he would be like Jesus Christ. You know, I worry about the people out there that call themselves Christians that have no interest interest at all in becoming more like Christ. It's like they're looking for how can I get away with sin and using the Bible and twisting the scriptures to justify sin. Hey, if we're saved, we ought to be we ought to be trying to become like Christ. Our hope, our blessed hope, is that one day we will be like Christ and that moment, and I'm looking for that moment, that moment, the Bible has told us to watch for it and wait for it. That moment when we become like Christ, it takes place at the glorious appearing. That's why it said that looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing. The blessed hope, that moment when we become like Christ. The glorious appearing, that's when that event takes place. It happens at His appearing. And look at what it says in Colossians chapter 3. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. And verse, we'll start reading in verse 1. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Did you all see that? We appear with Christ when He appears. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. That's what we call the rapture. That is the glorious appearing. And then look what it says in verse 5. Once again, the focus is on this body being changed into one like Christ. And it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, but now 
ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Y'all see that? One of these days we're going to be just like Christ when He appears. And when He appears, we will appear with Him in glory. But in the meantime, we are supposed to start putting off those old things. Those things that we used to do, we're not supposed to do those things anymore. We're supposed to be doing some new things. We're supposed to be trying to become like Christ. But the moment when it's complete is at His appearing. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall He also appear with Him in glory. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Look at there. So we need to start becoming like Christ right now. That's what God wants us to do. Right now, you should start working on that. Hey, you have the hope that you're going to be like Christ one of these days? Start working on it right now. And keep on working on it until He returns. But then 1 John 2.28, it says, "...and now, little children, abide in Him, and when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him." At His coming. Y'all see that? We ought to have the goal of not being ashamed when Jesus Christ returns. Now, we've all had those times when we, you know, we, we're bent on backsliding. We sometimes we drift away from God and we get involved in things that we shouldn't. And you know what? I don't want Jesus Christ to return when I'm at a point like that. I want Jesus Christ, when He comes back, to find me busy. I want Him to find me working. I don't want to be ashamed at His coming. We've all probably had those moments before when you were working. Maybe you were on the clock getting paid by the hour and your boss showed up when you were goofing off. When you weren't working. And you were ashamed, weren't you? You were embarrassed. We've all had those moments. Maybe you're doing something, you're kind of breaking the rules a little bit. I remember I worked with a guy one time when I was at the Walmart in Spring Valley and he was unloading cereal. And he busted a box of Lucky Charms busted open. And they are very strict on, on their grazing policy. No grazing. They catch you eating anything in the dock, you are in trouble. And this guy, he, he broke it. It was a mess. He was hungry. didn't think anybody was around grabbed a handful of Lucky Charms, threw them in his mouth and ate them. Didn't realize the manager was watching. And he almost got fired. He, they, they put him on a step three, which you do not want to get into step three. And basically after that, for six months, if you do anything, you're fired. And he said it was the longest six months of his life. And, and you know... The subject of Lucky Charms used to always come up and everybody would look at this guy for that. But it, it was embarrassing. He got caught. He was... He didn't realize he was being watched. And you know what? There's going to be many Christians one of these days. Jesus Christ is going to return. They are not going to be in His will. They are not going to be serving Him. And they will be ashamed at His coming. And so, we need to make sure every day that we are serving God, that we are ready for Him because when He comes, we don't want to be ashamed at His coming. And then look at the next chapter. Chapter 3, verses 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Now watch this. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Okay? Hey, when you got saved, did anybody's looks immediately change? You know, maybe you went and got a haircut. Maybe you went and cleaned yourself up a little bit and started dressing a little different. But you know, we still look the same, don't we? How many of you, when you got saved, all of a sudden you just you never lost your temper anymore? You never had any desire to sin? 
No, there's, you know, we're still the same, aren't we? We still have that same nature. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, and every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as He is pure. Once again, when does that happen? It happens when He appears. Oh, but that's not His glorious appearing. Yes, it is. That is His glorious appearing. When He comes in the clouds and we see Him, I mean, we are changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. I'm looking forward to that time and I don't want to be ashamed of it. And you know what? Right now, the Bible says, every man that hath that hope, that hope, that blessed hope, purifieth himself. We're working on it right now. Okay? We don't do all these good things. Some people do good so they can go to heaven. That's not why we do these things. We know we can't earn our way into heaven. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't do that. So why do we do these things? Why are we trying to be like Christ right now? We're going to be like Him someday. And He wants us to start working on it right now. He wants us to start preparing right now. That is what He has called us to do. And so we're trying to purify ourselves. We're trying to be better. We're trying to be more like Him. Because if the more we are like Christ the more of a difference we can make in this world right now. You know, too many people, they're, they're trying to make a difference, but they're remaining in their sinful, wicked condition. Hey, we need to be like Christ. I'm going to, uh, tonight I'm going to be talking about that, about you know, letting the Holy Spirit guide you and being filled with the Spirit of God. That's how we can really make a difference. But look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But over and over again, we see all these things happen at His appearing. And notice when it's talking about His appearing... Okay? It's not talking about, you know, hey, we won't have to deal with our problems, we don't have to pay our bills. No, we won't have to deal with this flesh anymore. That's what that's what the focus is. That's what the hope is. That we won't always be so sinful. We will be like Christ someday, because that is the goal. And first Timothy six eleven says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in His times He shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, King of kings, and Lord of Lords. Y'all see that right there? We are supposed to keep on working. We're supposed to keep on fighting. When? Until His appearing. Until His appearing. And people are trying to teach that it's the rapture, there's seven years we're not here, and then His appearing. Well, how can we look for His appearing if we're not even here for that time? No, His appearing is what we're looking for, isn't it? His appearing is what we're watching for. It's what we're waiting for. That glorious appearing. And what so what happens at His appearing? Well, we see that judgment takes place at His appearing. I'm going to read through some of these verses pretty quick. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. One of the things that we see in the book of Revelation, we see this in the book of Matthew, when Jesus Christ returns, He's going to call us up out of this world. The first place we're going to go is the judgment seat of Christ. We are going to be judged. But then, 
There's going to be a period of time here on this earth where God pours His wrath out on this world. Where it is going to be a horrible time where the world experiences the wrath of God and then Jesus Christ is going to show up on this earth and He is going to he's going to judge the world. Our judgment comes first. It comes at the appearing of Christ. It comes at the rapture. And then the world, their, their judgment, it kind of happens at the same time. Part of it, you know, it, it all happens here on this earth. And so then look, but look at uh, verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. See that? On that day. The day of His appearing. That's when Paul is going to get his reward. We don't stand there on judgment as soon as we die. We do not. When we stand in judgment, it is at the, after the rapture when our body has been resurrected. Paul, he's been dead for a long time. His soul is already there in heaven. But you know what? That which is born of God sinneth not. We don't sin in the soul and the spirit. We sin in our body and our flesh. That's what's going to be judged. And at the resurrection, at the rapture, when Jesus Christ calls us up into heaven to be with Him, Paul is going to be reunited with that body of His. It's going to be resurrected. And on that day, the day of His appearing, He is going to stand before God and He's going to be rewarded just like all of us. All of us on that day, we're going to stand before the Lord. Judgment comes at His appearing. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. First Peter chapter five, and we. I hope I hope you're watching for this. I hope you're ready for this day. It says, chapter five, verse one: The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and am also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear. Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Y'all see that right there? It happens at His appearing. That's when we are rewarded. That's when we stand before Him at judgment. It's at His appearing. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Turn over there real quick. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. It says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We see once again His appearing is mentioned. Judgment is mentioned. That is something that is going to happen at His appearing. We are going to, we are going to be judged. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Notice that which has been done in his body. So we can't stand before Christ in our body until the rapture. Our body doesn't go to heaven until Jesus Christ returns. Until that blessed hope. Until that glorious appearing. That is what is going to happen at His appearing. And the blessed hope that is about to come, this is something 
that the Old Testament prophets and the angels, the angels, have desired to look into. Look at what it says in First Peter, First Peter chapter one. Look at look at there real quick. And verse one is. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience, the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the, uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ whom having not seen ye love and whom though now ye see Him not yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Man, they wondered about this. What is the salvation they were talking about? Because these prophets, they were saved too, but the salvation of our body. That changing of our body into something incorruptible. Into one that does not perish. And it says in verse 11, "...searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ unto the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the Gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things angels desire to look into. What are angels? Why are angels interested in it? Because angels, they know us very well. Angels are holy. Angels do not sin. And they look at us. And they're thinking, how is God going to make them holy? How is He going to change them? I don't know. I don't know how it all works, but I knew though the Bible says when we see Him, we'll be like Him. It's that it happens at His appearing. So when does this event take place? Well, I wish we had time to get into all the things preceding it. But let me just read you a few verses, and I'm just going to read them because it gets me excited. But in Matthew chapter 20, verse 24, verse 3, it says, He sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto Him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of Thy coming and of the end of the world? What's the sign of Thy coming? What is the sign preceding Your coming? What are we going to see first? But the truth is, when Jesus Christ returns, He comes quickly. And look what it says in verse 27. Jump there. Before that, it talks about all the things leading up to it. We don't have time to get into those. But it says, For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcasses, there will the eagles be gathered together immediately. After the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign 
of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. Let me tell you something. Hollywood has just ruined the rapture. On the Hollywood movies, you know, whenever the rapture happens, it's just like all of a sudden everything's fine, and then boom, people disappear. What happened? Oh man, it would be so. They, you know, with all their technology and special effects, they could if they did it biblically, it would be so impressive. We see that the sun's going to be dark and the moon's going to be turned to blood. The stars are going to fall from heaven. That's going to get people's attention right there. It's going to be dark. We're going to see in more verses. Jesus Christ, He appears in the clouds. And everyone sees Him. Behold, He cometh with clouds, Revelation 1.7, and every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. We saw that in what we just read in Matthew chapter 24. Everyone sees Him. But who are the ones that are changed? It's those who look for Him. Those who are saved. Those who are ready for Him as appearing. Everyone's going to see Him come. But then those who are saved, we are going to be changed in that moment in the twinkling of an eye. His angels are going to come and they are going to gather us up from all over the world wherever you're at. Wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. That's what that's talking about. And we are going to be caught up and we're going to be thrilled to death, but the rest of the world is going to mourn. They are going to be in fear. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, exact same thing is said here. Same thing happening. We just read, we just sang about this when we sang it as well with my soul. It says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. It teaches in the Old Testament. Revelation 6.13, And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth as even as a fig tree cast to throw untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll. We just sang, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. The sky it's rolled back. The heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath is come of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Once again, the tribes of the earth, they're mourning. They are in fear. Why? Because you've been watching all the wickedness going on in this world. We're seeing it on the news every day. And Jesus Christ is going to come back and He is going to deal with the sin that's in this world. He is going to straighten this world out. And let me tell you, it is going to be a terrifying day for them. And thank God, before he starts pouring his wrath out, and you read the rest of the Revelation, it starts talking about you know the seven vials of God's wrath and the seven trumpets that are blown. That is a horrible time that this world is going to experience. But thank God, we're out of here. There is a time of tribulation that goes on before that that we're going to have to deal with. But you know what, man, the the trials and things that we have to deal with, they're nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. The Bible teaches. They're, they're nothing. I, I, we shouldn't even be worried about it. it. It's it's worth it. I had a guy the other day tell me. He said, "You know what? I'm hoping that before the, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm dead before the rapture comes, because of how bad it's going to get before he get he comes back." And I'm like, "I think it'll be worth it. 
I'm planning on trying to survive until He returns. Why? Because I want to be here for the single greatest event in human history. I want to, I want to be ready for it. I want to see it coming. And many people, they like hearing the preaching on prophecy. They, and they like learn about the signs of Christ's return so, they, so they'll know when to get themselves ready. But the truth is, even though there are some major signs that are going to take place before His coming, it is very possible, we don't have time to go to all the Scriptures, you can sleep right through it. Many people are going to be sleeping when He returns. Even though there's going to be signs all over the place and things that when you read it, it's like, man, everybody should see this coming. No, they're not. There's going to be people sleeping. And the Bible tells us that we need to be, uh, we need to be awake. We need to be watching. The only ones that are going to see the signs before His coming are those who are awake and watching. Romans 13, verse 11 says, "...and that knowing this time, that now it is high time to wake out of our sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe." I thought we were already saved. Well, yeah, we're saved in our spirit, but our body isn't saved yet. And we've learned that happens at His appearing. Verse 12, "...the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness." And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Right now, we're supposed to be trying to be like Christ. And that's how we will be ready for His coming. You're not, you're not going to get yourself ready for His coming by becoming an expert on Bible prophecy. You know how you'll be ready for His coming? Is are you being obedient to His Word right now? Are you are you in God's will right now? Are you serving Him right now? Those things are way more important than you getting all your theology right when it comes to end times things. It's you you might have your you might have figured out the perfect and written up the perfect timeline of end time events. But let me tell you, if you're not being obedient to God in your body, if you're not serving Him, if you're not pleasing Him in your flesh. You're not, you're not going to be ready. You're going to sleep right through it. You're going to, he's going to come and you're going to be ashamed at His coming. You're not going to be ready. But let, listen, that day, the blessed hope, it's that hope that we will be without sin one of these days. We need Christian people to start acting like they believe a day is coming where they're not sinful anymore. It's like we've given up. Ugh, I'm a sinner. I can't help it. I'm just going to keep on sinning. Didn't Jesus Christ save you? Don't you believe you're going to be like Him one of these days? Hey, if... Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And I am looking for that blessed hope. I'm going to be glad when I'm done contributing to the evil in this world and I'm doing nothing but good. When I am like Christ, when is that time coming? It happens at His appearing. And I don't know about you, but I want to be ready for it. I'm looking forward to that day. And I hope you are too. So with that, let's all stand together.